welcome to Hyperfixations, the podcast where we invite various interesting people on to talk about their niche area of interest that they could just talk forever about. Here are your hosts. I'm Ali. And I'm Nigel. And today we have Amy. Amy, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Thanks so much for asking me on. I'm delighted to be here. No problem. Thank no you problem. for being on. And what are you here to talk to us about today? Um, so I'm here to talk about Studio Ghibli. So um, I suppose just in case there's anyone that say doesn't happen to know who they are and are listening um i suppose it's the japanese animation studio uh probably the most famous japanese animation studio and obviously they're probably most well known for like spiritual way and stuff which they won uh the oscar for and yeah uh, that's kind of what i want to talk about i could ramble on about them for ages basically um normally i ask the first question that i ask is why have you chosen this for today's episode but instead my first question is is it ghibli or ghibli because up until last October, say, I had never heard anyone say Ghibli. And then a guy who I worked with was showing me a Spirited Away tattoo and was like, yeah, it's from a Studio Ghibli film. Do you know it? And I was just like, eh? <laughs> yeah, like, this is the first time I'm hearing Ghibli, to be honest. Yeah, Sorry, not it's... to put you on blast or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think technically it is Ghibli. Um... But okay. also apparently like Miyazaki and then like um Miss like Dave interchange it, like Dave switched constantly between Ghibli and Ghibli. Um the spelling of the studio in like Japanese katakana. Um so like I suppose the you know, if anyone listening doesn't know it's the uh the Japanese alphabet that would be normally used to spell foreign words. Um they use the sound j basically rather than go so it'd be ah, so it okay. seems to be ghibli um according to its official logo <laughs> in japanese or whatever but once again like they um like various members of ghibli staff over the years have also called it ghibli so i don't know <laughs> maybe they go by different pronunciations depending on if it's like they're in western interviews or whatever it is oh okay so it really just depends then it there's no set yeah i think so i think like i could be very it's a foreign word i just cannot remember which language it's from i think it's italian but i also think i'm incorrect it's named after it was inspired by the name of an aircraft carrier in like world war one or world war two because Hayao miyazaki is like obsessed with planes um so it was the name come from that but i don't know what language the word is from basically so um i think yeah, like i said <laughs> you know for all we know they could pronounce it wrong too <laughs> you know well, based on vibes. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now on to the, the regularly scheduled question then. Uh, why did you choose uh, Why did you choose Studio Ghibli or Ghibli for today's mm -hmm. episode? Um, I chose it because I suppose it seemed... It, when you asked if I wanted to come on and I was thinking like, oh, a topic would I be able to ramble on about for a very long time? Um, it is pretty much Ghibli. Um, it's hugely influential in kind of everything I do in terms of like my work and um, how like I myself would like approach like storytelling and art and I watch the films like all the time like I'm really bad to like rewatch things like usually if I watch a film once I'm like that's me done forever like I maybe will watch <laughs> that in 10 years whereas like last year I think I watched Howl's Moving Castle like five times like as in like spirit away it's like you know i seem to always have one of them on in the background it's like kind of like comfort films do you yeah. know um so I, and i'm just like so i suppose 
kind of yeah inadvertently have a very much huge part of my life like I kind of um kind of accidentally I suppose it's like yeah I have lots of merch and I do a lot of things that are basically mm. yeah so I had and then I, I just didn't watch any other ones uh after that and I'm like I know in my heart of hearts that they're good but only like like what last week uh my friend Lynn, previous guest of the show, Lynn, put a gun to my head, basically, and told me I need to watch Spirited Away. And I did. I watched Spirited Away. And then I watched Howl's Moving Castle for the last for the first time last night. Um, yeah. I don't know what your experience with Studio Ghibli is, Ali, but I, I, I'm very late getting into the game. I haven't, watched, I haven't watched any of them yet, and I feel bad because I know they're like good. <laughs> like, I want to I wanna watch them. Are they still on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, all on Netflix. That's where I'm watching. Oh, cool. Very cool. Gonna get into that now. Um, I, I to be honest, it's like it seems to be a very common experience. Like I should say, because like I think um I talk about Ghibli so much sometimes, and I think anytime I've like say meant spoke about it on like other podcasts or whatever it is, like I think the implication's been that I've had it since childhood, but I actually haven't. Like uh, the first Ghibli film I watched was Spirit Away when I was like 13. And then I didn't watch another one till I was nearly 19, like when I was in college. It wasn't really until I got into college that I properly started engaging with the films again, because they were really hard to watch, like pre-2020. Like, <laughs> you know, them coming on Netflix was like such a big moment for Ghibli. Do you know, like, I feel like a lot of people um, hadn't had a chance to watch them otherwise. Like, I remember for a long time, like, I like I spent so much money trying to track down the DVDs, do you know, like, as in especially... Um, it was kind of like a mandatory thing. Like whenever I would travel up to Dublin, it was like, I have to go to Tower Records and I have to buy another Ghibli DVD, you know, to try and build up yeah. the collection. Cause that was like the only way to watch the films because they were very hard to find links for and stuff. Um, so I get it. Cause I see that seems to be a very common thing of like people being, I suppose there's so many films and this implication of like, you haven't grown up with it or you weren't a child when you watched it, that like, if there's something like, I think people get worried or put off that there might not be anything for them to enjoy or do you know does that make sense or if it's past them but uh it seems to be like very common because there's actually a, another podcast called the Ghibliotech um which is like unreal if I'm allowed to plug another podcast on here so I'm sorry <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's great because at the premise of it is these two guys one of them is like really into Ghibli, always has been, say, since he was a teenager. And then the other is like in his 20s and had never watched any Ghibli film. And that was the premise of the podcast where they would watch a film, say, every week, you know. And, you know, you had one guy that was able to supply all the trivia and another guy who was just approaching it for the first time with those fresh eyes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I highly recommend, like, now that they're on Netflix, like, as in, it's like everyone should watch this everything, you know, um, and since they're all there and all laid out. Um, especially because like some of the really obscure ones too, like Ocean Waves is on Netflix and um, that's a really great film. But like originally, like that doesn't even have an English dub, but, you know, like it was kind Ooh. of created, I'm pretty sure, for TV originally in Japan. Um, so always had a very small release. You could then pick it up on DVD. But, you know, uh, the fact that they even have that up there is like insane. So. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's OK. You good? <laughs> Yeah, no, it was like it was like I was gonna launch into a question there, and then it was just like, oh no, she's coughing. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I suppose like, what are your favorite Studio Ghibli films? Because there's a how many of them is there at this stage? There's there's a lot. Yeah, I think there's 
I could be very wrong now. I think that off the top of my head, there's like maybe around 20, but I can't remember exactly. Yeah. That sounds about correct. I don't know. Just because I remember when they announced they were putting them onto Netflix, I think they did them like six at a time or something. Mm. Yeah. 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 So do you have any particular favorites out of those or like standout ones? Yeah. So, I mean... Uh, I always, my all-time favorite Ghibli film, which I always feel sounds potentially like not generic, but like it's that case of like the easy choice, which is it's like Spirited Away, which like I suppose is probably if anyone's watched a Ghibli film is like most likely the one that they first watched. You know, like I mean, my parents bought me that on DVD, and like they knew nothing about like anime or anything like that. They just knew it was <laughs> something I was interested in, so they're like, "Screw it, we'll buy this for her." You know, um, like mm. which I always think really shows how mainstream that was. Since that was like 2009, and we had only just got an internet connection. You know, it really wasn't something yeah. that my parents would have been aware of otherwise. Um, but uh, so like they gave me say like you know like say. Spirited Away has always been like a favorite of mine because I suppose it was my first one and it is beautiful. Do you know, I really do think that's like of all of them, like the film that's like so deserving of the Oscar. And then you have Howl's Moving Castle, which is like probably my second favorite, even though I didn't like it when I first watched it. Um, oh. Because I'd, I'd grown up reading the book and watched that then at the first time for the first time when I was 18. And it was like, oh, I don't like Miyazaki's interpretation of it. But now I'm like, I think I've watched it like 30 times maybe actually probably more like I always have it on um and I just love it it's so gorgeous it's the most beautiful soft romance and the plot doesn't make any sense which means I forget what happens half the times and it makes the rewatching even better which maybe isn't telling it very well um but no it's absolutely beautiful you are film. right the, the plot of that film did not make sense no sense whatsoever uh it's yeah. like <laughs> It, it's something that like really like you have to watch I feel like five times like there's so much that like stuff you notice then on like rewatches where you're like ooh this kind of made sense and maybe this is what's happening um but yeah like I always past the flower scene um with Howl and Sophie I forget the rest of the plot um like I could not tell you the events that happened um which means it's always very rewatchable for me um yeah and uh, <laughs> I suppose then just like smaller ones I suppose um that I really really love are um when Marnie was there which is a more recent one um I actually cannot remember the name of the director that did it like it wasn't say Miyazaki or Takahata like it wasn't one of the like the two main honchos like it would have been uh, a smaller kind of younger director like they passed it off to him and um what was it like that's an absolutely just really gorgeous film um mainly and like, I can ramble about it, but mainly because of the plot, like people, a lot of people do interpret it as like kind of a queer coming of age story, um, even though there's a lot of plot elements I can't talk about because spoilers, but uh, still people uh, like resonate a lot with the main character of that, um, regardless, say, of the plot, you know? Yeah, Letterboxd is listing it as directed by Hiromasa Yonabayashi. Oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> totally forgot. <laughs> yeah, it seems... Um, very like well reviewed mm, it's mm. absolutely gorgeous um for uh it's just really beautiful i think it's based on a ya novel i think um and just, like it's very different for ghibli honestly still um yeah. has a plot twist that you're not really expecting um but either way um the main character um of that film um they're still i think inadvertently she's like resonated a lot with a lot of like queer people um mm. 
uh, and even like watching it myself, I was just like, you know, I just, yeah, it's just a really beautiful film. Even if it like wasn't their intention, it kind of, it's nice how it's kind of, um, I suppose, transformed in that way anyway. Um, what was it? And then there's like a couple from, oh yeah. And then I really like, I suppose if you're just giving me like my top four, I really love Pompoko, um, which was made by uh, Isao Takahata, I believe. And that was made in the 90s. And it's about uh, a load of Tanuki. And it's like this really bizarre, um, almost like documentary style um, film about Tanuki um, just doing their thing, you know, shape shifting and stuff. And it's great. Like, it's so, so good. Um, it, the English dub of it in particular has this very bizarre um, Wes Anderson-esque like narrator that like sounds very kind of disassociated from the events that's happening or whatever. Um, and it's just a really, really great film, like very, very charming and just, yeah, very enjoyable. It was kind of a surprise for me. I, I wasn't sure I'd love it as much as I did, but I, it's great. Look adorable. Yeah, it's, it's so cute. Mm. Honestly, really recommend that film. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things that you touched on there, which I thought was surprising in relation to like Hell's Moving Castle and stuff, and you brought it up with when Marnie was there, the fact that they're based off of things in my head like as a popular conception the ghibli films were just these weird little things that um and okay now to be honest i did not know that there was anyone other than miyazaki doing it um because <laughs> all of the ones i've seen have been done by miyazaki i'm, I'm pretty sure that's fair yeah, yeah he's kind of the head guy yeah um it's really weird because like like you say, Hell's Moving Castle is based on the book, which I haven't read, by Diane, Diana Wynne-Jones, is it? Yeah, Diana Wynne-Jones, yeah. Yeah, and then you have, like you said, when Marnie was was there. But then also you have um, Tales of Earthsea is based off of the Ursula K. Le Guin Earthsea mm. novels. And that apparently uh, was not a good film. I don't... It's awful. It's so no. awful. And you should watch the film and look up Ursula K. Gwy- Ursula Le Guin's, like, opinion of the film, because she slates it. It's kind of hilarious. Yeah, that's how what I've seen. That's what I've seen. Not the film, just her response. Yeah. <laughs> she hates <laughs> it so much. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny seeing creators slate adaptations of their work, because mm-hmm. we live kind of in this age where things are going to be adaptations of books are going to be bad but mm. i don't know it's always funny seeing like rick reardon come out now and, and slate the disney adaptations of, <laughs> of his books into films but now he's like going with them to make a series of them on disney plus which is weird but i don't know i i thought that the like quality level of studio ghibli would have made it a good film i don't know it's interesting because I suppose uh, comparing Hells Moving Castle and Tales from Earthsea is actually like, really fascinating because there is so much shit that happened in the background of that. Like, it's insane. And there's docu- like two documentaries that cover that. Um, basically, Hells Moving Castle was obviously made by Miyazaki and it's based on the Diana Wynne-Jones book. And like, it's so completely different. Like, Miyazaki literally took base elements of the plot and like, he honestly could have just spun it and pretended that it was an original story like it really doesn't resemble the actual plot of the book at all like um how he got the vibe of it he caught like a bit of the vibe but like i mean in the book then it's like howl is 
in the book how like we get Philem Howell is like this like sexy like anime wizard boyfriend and then uh in um the book he's like this deranged welshman who uh <laughs> got sick of doing his phd so ended up sidetracking himself into another fantasy world um and like halfway through the book they end up in wales because howell has to visit home and at one point he gets drunk with his rugby mates and stuff like it's completely like i i sometimes wish that like i could have seen ghibli's take on the book <laughs> do you know um but it's funny because like Diana Wynne Jones like took that all in her stride. Like she talks about the film quite fond. She spoke about the film quite fondly uh, when she was alive, um, and like really um, enjoyed kind of what Miyazaki had done with it. You know, um, but in comparison, Tales from Earthsea was made by Goro Miyazaki, uh, Miyazaki's son, and there seems to be like a whole layers upon layers of like really bad father issues going on, um, where basically it was happening that. Like Tales from Earthsea kind of occurred pretty much simultaneously and kind of after um, Hells Me Castle. And I think Miyazaki was originally meant to direct it, but he didn't want to. So Goro, his son, took it on instead. But like Miyazaki didn't want Goro to direct a film. He was like, you're not good enough. You're not going to be able to do this. Like, you're going to fail. And like they have a really, really shit relationship. Um, oh dear. And, like, I got Miyazaki, <laughs> Yeah, Miyazaki was kind of right, but like it's pretty like... Like, it's a really, really bad adaptation and, like, clearly Goro probably crippled under, like, the stress of it all. Um, maybe, do you know? I suppose it was a pretty big project mm-hmm. for him to take on immediately. And it was kind of this weird notion of, like, did he actually want to animate or was he just, I suppose, trying to... Um, like, a lot of people have psychoanalyzed this stuff. Um, and, like, there's even, like, there's a documentary where, um, like, they follow, like, say, Miyazaki when he's making Ponyo. And it starts off with him going to a screening of Tales from Earthsea and walking out because he just doesn't want to watch anymore because he thinks it's so shit. So there was like a lot going on, (laughs) do you know? Um, And it's quite telling because Goro then kind of proceeded, like he actually did direct two more films for Ghibli. Um, One of them is one of the only Ghibli films I haven't seen, which is like Eerie and the Witch. I just can't. It's 3D animation and I currently just can't get past it. Um, but then the <laughs> other one is from Up on Poppy Hill, which was like a better film, marginally more better than uh, Tales to Mercy. But like he took a big step back and was like now does like a lot of the architecture and he's like uh, he designs the plans for the new Ghibli park that's been built in Japan. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just weird, like the amount of behind the scenes shenanigans that kind of seem to have happened. While those two films were both being made, both interestingly like uh, adaptations of books made by popular fantasy authors, um, as yeah, there was just like a lot of um, stuff going on. Okay, yeah. Um, it seems to be as well that whenever Studio Ghibli has moved into 3D animation that that's also kind of guaranteed to be a bad film like their most recent film Earwig and the Witch seems to have been universally panned um mm. yeah I did did you watch that one I haven't watched it yet I need to um I kind of honestly think it looks absolutely shit <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> yeah. I don't, don't want to like, waste your time with it like honestly like um guess who directed it it's Goro, isn't it? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was it. I was like, I'm sorry, Goro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, from Up on Poppy Hill, Goro's second film is actually really good. Uh, incredibly stressful um, 
for plot purposes that I cannot explain without spoiling it completely. But uh, it's uh, a good film. Once again, another book adaptation. But uh, you're reading which, yeah, it's like this weird thing where I think, like, if you're like put, like laying out like the world of animation right now, um, you know, obviously it's kind of like a given that like places like Japan are like the pinnacle of 2D animation at the moment. You know, like they are picking up what obviously America kind of left behind, say, in the like the late 20th century. Um, and obviously Ireland, like we're thankfully like kind of going up there with Japan. Like at the moment, you know, in terms of animation, animation world, like they consider like Ireland, Japan, you know, doing the 2D. And in turn, then America has all the strides in 3D animation. They have the technology, like they have like superior technology, you know, um, superior mm. equipment and pro programs to make it because I suppose they've been putting all their energy into it. And so what happens, like, I don't know if you've watched, like, if you watch much anime or anything, but like Japan just, as of right now, like if they, if it's 3D animation, like it's generally not amazing, do you know? Um, mm. It's, you know, uh, it kind of works when they're doing like a semi 3D, 2D kind of look, but for something that's just straight CGI like Earwig, it just like I, the clips I saw of Earwig, just like in terms of quality of animation, just unfortunately isn't good. Do you know? Yeah. What is the magic somehow lost then? Yeah, people talk a lot about some of the magic of Ghibli being the nuance that they captured. You know, it's like. Um, little things like um, in Spirited Away, there's a moment where uh, the main character, Chihiro, is like putting on her shoes and she like taps um, kind of the, her ankle. Like it's like she taps it a bit just to like get it properly fitting into her ankle. And it's like a really small, tiny little piece of animation that wasn't necessary, but like obviously mm. added a lot of life to her as a character. And people have said that about. Goro's direction as well, in particular, like it loses, like he doesn't himself aim for that little bit of nuance that the other Ghibli films have. But I think that coupled with the 3D meant that just a lot of like what made makes Ghibli so charming in terms of as a style of animation, um, in in terms of their place in like the, the world of anime, I suppose. Um, yeah, it kind of loses it a bit, I think. Yeah, it's more suited to 2D kind of. Uh, yeah, basically, do you know, like I feel like the bits that people remember about Ghibli's animation style, like, it's all 2D, do you know, like, all the bits, like, it just can't really be captured in the same way, with the same charm, do you know? Mm. Yeah. Uh, there's a, uh, looking on the letterbox page for Earwig and the Witch, um, there's a review from one of my favourite uh, film critics, and uh, not really critics, but, like, video essayists on YouTube, Schaeferla's Productions, and it just reads... Not <laughs> yeah, shout out Shay Frillos. Come on the podcast when. Um, Please do. <laughs> it just reads, at least Cars 2 had the decency to end its story. Um, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. But to he's your too, point, He's too harsh on the car movies, the Cars movies, though. Shay Frillos is. That's, that's my take. <laughs> now, we don't back. have time to... Like, we don't have time to unpack all this, but... Um... Yeah. <laughs> to your point of the, like, animation... It's so beautiful, and I suppose I've interacted with Ghibli a bit. Like, I've played the game Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. Oh, which... cool, I just started that last night. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I love Sorry, that. Sorry, that's the verge. 
<laughs> no, I love that the fact that like last night the pair of us engaged with some form of uh, Ghibli related media. <laughs> I, I watched Hell's Moving Castle and you started Nino Kuni. Yeah, yeah, so it's a for those who don't know, um, Nino Kuni is a turn based like role playing game developed by Level Five, but all of the so Level Five is also the crowd who did things like Professor Layton, and that's a whole other issue. The way that um, Level Five is. Uh, as a Japanese developer, is obsessed with Western culture. Um, but, yeah, so all of the cutscenes in it were animated by Studio Ghibli. Or at least I think Miyazaki was involved. Um, I think, I don't think Miyazaki was involved specifically, but it was Ghibli. Um, and they got mm. uh, Joe Heisei, um, who's like generally the main composer for all of Miyazaki's Ghibli films. Um, he did the sound, the score for Nino Kuni too. So. Nina Cooney as well, so I suppose yeah, that Ghibli feel it, it kind of comes, it's it's very present. Yeah, and it's like what? It's so hard to describe because like all of the backgrounds are are these wonderful, almost like watercolor paintings, you know, mm. where things are happening in, in, and then all of the characters are so vibrant. At, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's- I haven't seen. A lot like too many of them to like be able to accurately quantify what makes them magical that's fair it's kind of hard because like i said i suppose a lot of people be like oh is it just like normal anime and i suppose the point is like and it's something that miyazaki is always kind of stood by which is that ghibli don't make anime and i suppose if and he is using that and i suppose a derogatory sense where he's like <laughs> do you know um anime derogatory <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i always think of that one screen cap of him uh in one of the documentaries where he's like anime was a mistake <laughs> I, I think of that quote like twice a week like, this, as i sit there to watch like something else but uh, and obviously he's been quite derogatory there's like amazing anime being made you know with like really high production quality but i suppose um with ghibli I suppose it's just so handcrafted. I think just the fact that they still, um, I suppose like there's such still a resistance to like digital with them. Do you know, um, like a lot of the Ghibli films, um, I know like recent ones are very, like are still, are quite, are done. A lot of them are done, say, um, digitally, like backgrounds wise, but like the majority of ones, I mean, like, like the lights are like Spirited Away, like Princess Mononoke, like House of Mary Castle, like Ponyo, like they're all, hand-painted backgrounds with poster color you know like as in like you know there and you can i feel you can really feel that and like aside from like the backgrounds and stuff it's just the characters like there's so much like ghibli traits in animation like such as like um a big thing for ghibli is like when a character is expressing emotion their hair is affected so like if they're scared like their hair will like fizzle out or it'll like fluff up when they're happy or surprised like it's a big kind of thing that they do and it's just so charming um like i said this is like i suppose that little bits of nuance that they add to the characters just make them feel very lived in or something that like they belong say very much to this world like just little things like little things like them hopping over uh two steps when they're going down the stairs rather than going one by one or that thing with Shihiro which I always go back to is like you know her tapping her shoe when she's putting on like it's such an intricate piece of animation that's just so unnecessary like it does not have any bearing on the actual plot but it does yeah. give a little bit of a charm to Chihiro as a character you know and you can kind of more believe that this 2D animated girl is real you know it's um just very charming 
best way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the point I was going to make? <laughs> I Sorry, had probably just went on a tangent. <laughs> no, I had one based off of something you said, and it's flipped my mind. They're just, I don't know what it was. <laughs> no, it's gone. Um, I... Sorry, were you going to say something? No, no, so I just said R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. No, so... I think Miyazaki, as a creator, is really interesting because mm. he's... I don't know. I've, I've seen images of him online from interviews where he's just saying stuff. You know, there's one quote that I think of a lot, um, which is he describes uh, feeling like a comb that's missing teeth. Um... <laughs> And it reminds me very much of the the quote from Lord of the Rings, where Bilbo or Frodo describes himself uh, as feeling like butter spread too thinly over too much bread. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he's an icon, but also I love the fact that he's basically just like Michael Flatley, um, where <laughs> he's gone into he's gone into retirement. And every now and then he'll just be like, I'm coming out of retirement. Um, you know, like it was, it was in the news recently where he was just like, yeah, I'm coming out of retirement. We're going to make like a whole bunch more big fantasy movies. Why? I want to. <laughs> We're just going to do that. Yeah. He's so funny because it's quite ghastly. He's so, like, he has done so much. He like He's such a fascinating person, really, because like he's meant to be an absolute tyrant, like to work absolutely horrifying like he's meant to be oh, like dear. not good he's not oh, a good no. boss he will work you to the ground and obviously like he's got like a terrible relationship with Goro where he basically was bullying him for like probably the majority of Goro's life and I think they've managed to rectify that but you know like there's all these things in the background and then at the same time yeah. like he's a man that's just so consumed by his work and storytelling and like his this drive I mean like I do I, I'm I was watching, um, I actually recently rewatched, only like a couple of weeks ago, I rewatched Nausicaa, which was, say, the first technically Ghibli film. It was like the first film that had the pairing of Miyazaki and um, Toshio Suzuki, the producer. Mm. Um, I think Takahata might have been involved somewhere too, or I don't know later on. But um, I think I'm all correct with those facts. I could be wrong now. But basically, that's like the first one that was like helmed and like, I think back a lot and like to the fact that like the majority of Ghibli's films, like Miyazaki's films, I should say, rather than Ghibli, like the majority of Miyazaki's films are um, female protagonists, um, which I think is like really interesting because, and he's always said this, that like he, he wanted to create, you know, those like interesting, straw, like interesting female characters. And I suppose in comparison to like, I suppose if you were to look at the anime industry as a whole, it's not exactly uh an industry known for its excellent representation of women you know mm. um and young women at that you know and for Miyazaki to portray these realistic unsexualized um depictions of just like young women um for no other reason just to, just that they're dared you know like say like the the what they do like has no like as well like you know like there's in like he didn't have to make them girls but he decided to you know um and I just, I find yeah. it very, like, out of the norm, I suppose, considering the times that he was making these things, you know, um, for there to be, like, in the 90s. I suppose if you're going to make the comparisons with Disney, 
that you would have in like 1997, you had Mononoke, where you had San, who was like, you know, angry and complicated and complex, and she has a knife and she's going to stab you. <laughs> and, uh, do you know, at the same time, you had Disney princesses still coming out, do you know, or even like in the 80s, mm. you had, you know, even in Castle in the Sky, um, I cannot remember the name of the main character. I, is it Laputa? I, I can no, no Laputa is the That's the is town, the, isn't it? The city. Yeah. Can, can you remember what the name of the main character? I suppose it doesn't really matter. But um, um No. No. <laughs> Either way, anyway, it's just <laughs> the fact that like she's there. You know, I don't know, I just I find him quite fascinating. Like he's always said that he's been very inspired by the young girls that he know like you know, like Chihiro, I think, was based on like a granddaughter of his, do you know? Or like a neighbor, do you know, like as in, you know, for Spirit of the Way, like as in it's just I always find that very fascinating about him that like he depicts, I suppose, female characters in such a nice way. <laughs> Do you know, I know it sounds yeah. so silly, but I find like the bar can be so low. And I find that like in a lot of media, like that sacrifice for a strong female character is you know you know sometimes it's like you either are like wishy-washy or strong and like strong just means that you can fight and you have no personality whereas he's able to create like just really memorable characters you know and he was doing it before like a lot of people were pushing for it you know which sounds so silly but like for adventure films in particular you know yeah uh, and i know that like i mean i always think back to like card capture sakura you know that anime which was re-edited so it would star the male character Shaolin in the US, like, you know, the, US, the Western version mm. of that was re-edited so it could be like a male character, you know? Um, so yeah. I always like, admired Miyazaki's kind of drive towards that, I suppose. It can be like rare, like, especially in, like you said, like, especially in the 90s, to mm. make like good, fe- like really good female characters and especially like, first of all, from a male director. And also, like you said, like, I'm glad that you made this distinction because a lot of times, like, we see the thing of like, strong female characters that like you know they just know how to fight and don't really have a personality like as mm-hmm. such like we've seen them in like um like they're still coming out today like characters like this like in movies and to just think that like like studio ghibli were just ahead of, were ahead of the game it would seem yeah definitely do you know like i think just yeah for them to be allowed to be i suppose complex i mean Chihiro in Spirited Away is a great example. I mean, she's so annoying. <laughs> like, she's like <laughs> the most annoying child. But like, because she's like 11, do you know? Like, isn't that why she's... Yeah. You know? um, and that's okay, because the whole point of Chihiro's story is she's she grows up, do you know? Like, she she's, you know, matures, do you know? Um, Absolutely. Do you know, it's the same with like a lot of them. Do you know, even just, I know something as simple as like Totoro, like my neighbor Totoro, um, yeah, I just like flubbed up. Whatever. My name were Totoro. Um, that uh, it like the fact that it's like the two sisters. You know, like and I just I found it just always really lovely that yeah he just and he said it he's spoken on it that like he's just very inspired by the little girls that he's met throughout his life in terms of like granddaughters or neighbors, um, yeah, or other relatives. You know that like he wanted to depict them on screen and their adventures. You know, which yeah. I just think really nice. It is. Mm. Yeah. And like, besides that, like, it's it's so funny because like, he's seems to be like, if you ever get a chance, like, I really recommend watching the two documentaries that were kind of made. Well, one's more about Ghibli in general, which is like, I think it's called Kingdom of G- Dreams and Madness. 
And then there's mm-hmm. another, like, it was like a two-part series um, done by NHK, um, the kind of the main Japanese television channel. But you can get, like, streams of it online. And it's basically following Miyazaki as he makes Ponyo and as he makes his, um, there's like a seven-year gap. It's like, as he makes The Wind Rises, which is up until now, like, up until, like, this new film that's coming out, like, that was his last film that came out. And, okay. Um, that was when he was supposed to have retired. Like, he was supposed to have retired after Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, then he came back and did Ponyo. And then I think he was going to try and retire after Ponyo. And he was like, no. And then he came back and did The Wind Rises. And he's such a... He's just so consumed by the creative process. Like, he spends, like, hours upon hours, like, storyboarding. Like, he doesn't write scripts. Yeah. He just storyboards everything. So, like, they start animating things or designing characters. And he might not know how it ends yet or what's happening in the middle because he needs to draw it you know and he just like for his age it's just amazing that he still has that like insane drive and passion like he's clearly exhausted like you see it in the documentaries like he's weary by the work but he's just still very consumed by it that yeah. man is tired mm. honestly so wrecked there's um <laughs> there's really one of the brief moments of like where he seems like <laughs> like he always seems like a very terrifying granddad but um there's like this one moment in one of the documentaries where he has to go to, I think, a press conference and uh, Studio Ghibli has a cat that hangs out um, in the studio. And he's like, has this conversation with the cat up on like this decking outside where he's like, you go in my place, you know, <laughs> you have such a lovely life. <laughs> I want to <laughs> you know, um, which I just think is quite cute. That's lovely. Hmm. You mentioned uh, at the start that a lot of what you do as an artist is inspired by Studio Ghibli. And is it like the films or the art style or now hearing about the crazy drive of Miyazaki? Is it something like that? Because like, I feel like people can empathize with that to a point, but also like, you know, don't take on too many creative as someone who keeps taking on (laughs) more and more creative projects. I feel the need to say, don't you will die. (laughs) <laughs> Nigel's actually dead. Oh no. <laughs> see, yeah, see, I, I'm actually dead, and I uh, told a cat that I found nearby, I said, go do this interview, you have such a lovely life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if only we could all just be replaced by cats. <laughs> just a lot of meows. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose, to go off your question, I suppose, like... I suppose it's like a lot of bits. So I do, I'm glad I don't have say in terms of the drive, like I'm not like, I suppose I wish I could be like Miyazaki where I could sit down and like storyboard this entire animation like by myself, like in like two nights, you know? And like to be able to just produce such insane worlds from my head Mm. and just put them on paper. Like obviously I try very hard to make good art and put it on paper, but like it just seems to come so naturally to him. he just seems to have such a huge frame of reference and like a huge mind you know um i suppose in terms of my art like it's very hugely like stylistically influenced by ghibli um more so a few years ago as i was like properly getting back into digital art um now obviously it's kind of thankfully you know i I didn't want to be like i suppose um i like used to do a lot of commissions where i drew exclusively in the studio ghibli style because obviously people want and that's what selling but I obviously it's nice to be able to move away from that because you don't want to be just like known as the artist who can just copy 
Ghibli style, like word for word, like well, line for line. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know that Miyazaki would hate me if he knew what I was <laughs> doing. He'd be looking at me going, "That art is shit." <laughs> because of, um, Miyazaki but, writing you up like a fuck. Yeah, it was like that kind of comforting thing where I'm like, Miyazaki, I'm proud of you right now. If he knew I was, you know, not doing work inspired by him, but. Um, in terms of like, yeah, even like storytelling, trying to capture that nuance, those kind of just magical worlds. I think my big thing with Ghibli is just like everything just feels so big. Do you know, this doesn't feel limited. Do you know, like everything like from creature design to just like landscapes, like it just feels so huge. Do you know what I just, I suppose for like any of my work, do you know, be it like drawing or as I hopefully move on to like something more story driven, do you know, like I hope to be able to incorporate that kind of Ghibli essence, mm. kind of wherever I can, do you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And they they do. They feel like... And this may maybe go back to... This maybe goes back to even... Uh, that's how language works. Uh, <laughs> your point about the little details and stuff and how, like, the backgrounds are, are done as these kind of hand-drawn, hand-painted stuff... But, like, there's always something happening in the background if you're watching Ghibli films, you know. I've only seen the three, but this is the case. There's always, like, people moving in a specific way, not just, like, we're going to move this big shadowy lump, which indicates a crowd, you know? Yeah. Or, like, in Spirited Away, where they go through, and then they go through this train station, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. And they come out in the village, you know, that feels like a real place. Or when they go to the witch at the end, where they're like standing on the train tracks, it's like, yeah, I'd reason to believe that this is just a place that they've stumbled into the middle of, you know? Yeah. I think that's it, especially with Spirited Away, it does feel like this, like you just wish that they, like, I don't ever want them to do a sequel because sequels generally don't really work. <laughs> like, the, the, Some exceptions. You, <laughs> some exceptions um but you know, i think i'd just be very worried about like a sequel i don't know why but like it's that case of like I, like you said like it's like almost like Doctor's day which i think is quite cool yeah um i don't know like i i feel so bad about not having seen ghibli when i'm in a discussion about <laughs> ghibli but yeah, yeah i i don't know like i really want to so I suppose using this as a um, segue into a section, if you were to recommend people getting into Ghibli, what to start with? This is a thing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, this is a thing we, we do with a lot of guests if they're bringing kind of like a larger topic, like with uh, mm. the Discworld series or whatever. Like, what's the best yeah. place for someone to get into Ghibli if they if they've never seen it before? Okay, brilliant, fun. Okay. Um, yeah, so I suppose, like, I think the easiest one to just start with, because it, like, it throws you in there, and, you know, it, it won the Oscar for a reason, is Spirited Away. You know, it's the most mainstream Ghibli film, do you know? Mm. It's the one that most people in the West would have heard about long before it came on Netflix, do you know? It's just um, absolutely gorgeous, it just captures everything. So Spirited Away, say, you're number one. Then... I would be recommending, I think you have to watch My Neighbor Totoro, um, even though it's definitely like a bit more childlike than, <laughs> you know, a lot of the other Ghibli films. But at the same time, like, I feel like, like, in the day, Totoro is their mascot, you know, like, as in he is 
everywhere, do you know, like, like uh, when yeah. I was in Japan, Totoro was everywhere, do you know, and um, they, like, you have to kind of watch him, do you know, and that just really captures, like, a lot mm. of, like, stuff that, like, Miyazaki wants to do. Um, so then, so they're my first two, so I suppose that's Miyazaki, and I would also recommend, because it's, like, I think it's always important to watch, like, the first film, like, you know, the first of it all, I would recommend watching, which maybe isn't as relatable, but because it's a bit more older and stuff, but like once again, big massive wide world, and it's the first Ghibli film. So like, okay, there's a tree. Um, it's very hard to decide. Then I would be kind of telling you to opt for something that's not just Miyazaki, because I think a lot of people, the way I see conversations go online, they speak about Ghibli, but you know people are only kind of talking about the Miyazaki Ghibli. And even like for a lot of this conversation, I know myself, I've probably just touched more on Miyazaki Ghibli rather than like mm. some of the other brilliant things about some of the other films which are like so so gorgeous such as um uh whisper of the heart um which is a 90s film that they made it's just gorgeous and that's just pure slice of life like there's no magic there's no stuff it's just kind of a really simple charming film um so basically my next recommendation is go and watch a film that's not just made about me by Miyazaki you know pick probably Takahata because he's like you know, in Studio Ghibli, it was him, Miyazaki, and Toshio Suzuki. Do you know, like, they were, like, the three main guys, do you know? Suzuki yeah. was the producer, and those two were the directors. And um, yeah. Takahata died, um, I think, in 2014. Um, his last film was The Tale of Princess Kaguya, which is, like, absolutely heartbreaking. But, like, he made, like, so many really gorgeous films. So I'd be basically telling you to, like watch one or two of them basically like you know I suppose yeah it spanned beyond Miyazaki so like I suppose if I was to pick one because I wouldn't want to break your heart I would tell you Pompoko because um the tale of Princess Kaguya in particular is absolutely heartbreaking and he also made Grave of the Fireflies which actually it depends I see it's so hard to actually I see it even as a, how do you start with Ghibli and it's like okay just watch all 20 films but um yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm like rambling um yeah I'm in my head basically yeah I would tell you to watch say those three Miyazaki films and then pick a film that's not made by Miyazaki I would opt for Takahata your choices like my suggestions are either if you are able to deal with emotional trauma I would watch Grave of the Fireflies because it's really <laughs> beautiful and like so different. I mean, they released Grave of the Fireflies as like a double feature with My Neighbor Totoro and they cannot be more different. Like, I don't know what they were thinking. One is a really heartbreaking mm -hmm. interpretation of Japan during the war. And then the other is like this lovely film about two sisters meeting a, you know, massive animal. Um, but yeah, like, I suppose if you can cope with it, watch Grave of the Fireflies because that's just exceptional animation and just really like in general like beyond the scope of Ghibli like animation in general like it's really like up there um and if you can't do that I would tell you Pompoko because that's my personal favorite Takahashi's and uh and then just watch the rest of them <laughs> that's uh that's my recommendation <laughs> okay that's what you gotta I'm do sorry yeah it's just what you gotta do um yeah like I said like I always I'm always sitting there trying to like rank my favorite ones and I keep changing it because I love so many of them for so many different reasons so I mm. find it quite hard because, yeah, like, I mean, like I said, so many of the non-Miyazaki films, like me, Whisper in the Heart and When Marnie Was There in particular, like so, so beautiful. Um, 
but like even like, like I said, like I'm a big fan of Ocean Waves. Um, the Cat Returns is insane. Um, that's basically a furry film. So if you're a furry, like I really recommend The Cat Returns. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what was it? Uh, yeah, there's a lot. Like there's so much, and like even like Ponyo and stuff. If you, you know, if you know, there's just so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, don't apologize. <laughs> Although, yeah, don't. That begs, it's amazing. That, that begs the question then: Do you have a least favorite? Yeah, probably. I see. <laughs> once again, I'd say my least favorite Ghibli film is what one now? Probably Tales from Earthsea. Like that was so bad. Like it's actually incomprehensible how bad that film is. Um. <laughs> I, I like really really bad film um so yeah i just hate that from a quality standpoint yeah it's just quality wise you're like this is terrible and it sucks because visually speaking like if you were just to watch that film through screen caps alone like it looked gorgeous like they really like went off in like on like all the background and um art in particular is so stunning but uh mm. the the rest of it's absolutely shit <laughs> it was really really bad um so yeah i think that's probably my least favorite one that's the one where i really talked out like there's some that emotionally trauma grave of the fireflies or tale of the princess Kaguya. but uh um that one in particular like at least like they're still beautiful films it's just they're sad whereas tales from earth like it's not even like it's just so vapid and terrible uh it's not even mm. like you know there's not even any reason to like care about anything that goes on in i couldn't even <laughs> Okay. It's not not a good time. No, not. I mean, like I said, to know all of Ghibli, you must know their failures as well as those. So I would definitely recommend watching it because, hey, like maybe you could watch it and be like, this is amazing. I love this so much. Because um, I suppose there's like it's a pity because it was like could have been a lot. You know, there's a lot of high fantasy concepts and you know it's a darker story than maybe you might normally do. Do you know like it's um. You know, like the opening scene is the main character murdering someone, do you know, like isn't it's it could have been really good, do you know, kind of like a nice thing for older Ghibli fans to like enjoy, but no, not really. <laughs> yeah. And it's your least favorite then because of how bad the quality is of the film and of the adaptation then? Well, I didn't read the book, so I can't really comment on adaptation quality. I think it's just more so it's almost like everything that makes Ghibli good, they do not have in that film. I suppose in terms of just the characters are just so uninteresting and the plot is just not good. Like, like I watched it so long ago and clocked out so fast that I can't even properly remember why it's bad. I just remember it being <laughs> so like, you know, like I think I kind of have blocked it out of my memory a little, but um, it's so i suppose how do i word it it's just yeah like it's just bland i think that's kind of the best way to describe it um like you're kind of watching a story i kind of don't care what happens to a single character here um this story is really stupid yeah it was just really yeah that's not good yeah any charm that they could have had just left you know because like there you know it's not like every film that ghibli's made is perfect like there's um the secret world, well, this, I think it's called The Secret World of Arietti. I don't know if it's just called Arietti here in the United States, but that's their adaptation of The Borrowers, the, um, you know, the English Wait. novel. 
they adapted the borrowers yeah <laughs> um that was in like i think 2012 it's uh the uk version stars saoirse ronan and tom holland and the dub um which i think is quite interesting um even though it's saoirse ronan not doing her irish accent which is a pity um <laughs> but uh yeah and like that film like i finished that and was like that was a little shit but like you know still pretty and enjoy still had a lot of charm you know yeah uh, it'll make an excellent background film while i'm painting or doing something else but uh yeah, whereas Tales from Marcy is just crap. <laughs> so, would you ever go back and, and rewatch it, though? Uh, like, I suppose I value my time a lot. How's it been tasseled for the 30th time? Like, if I watch a Ghibli film, like, I'm terrible. Put this on again, my comfort film. But um, I suppose yeah. I probably would now. Like, say I watched Tales from Marcy not knowing a lot of the shit that went on behind the scenes. Also watched it not know like... I suppose Goro learned a lot between the films, like he made From Up on Poppy Hill, and I think that released in 2012. And that's a much more enjoyable film. That's like, mm. much, like captures a lot more, I suppose, of that Ghibli feel. Um, where, where, so I suppose I would like to go back and watch it now that I feel like I'm much more acquainted in Ghibli as well. Like I feel like I probably watched that very early in my, you know, attempts to, like, watch, say, every Ghibli film or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be very funny if you went and rewatched it and came away with the uh, the opinion that, holy shit, this is the best Ghibli <laughs> film ever. Um, totally something I could do. Like, I champion... Like, yeah, maybe I will... Zoro is the better Miyazaki. <laughs> oh... I'm sure that would totally that totally would not upset anyone at all. <laughs> Blazing hot tea. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe I'll just throw it out there anyway. Just see what happens if I just throw it out on the internet. It's like, you know, hot take, Goro. Just see what one. happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor Goro. I think that's Yeah, he hasn't voted this one looking great. No, he hasn't. Bless him. He's actually a great signed to, to 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 give you a good point about Goro, who I feel like I've spoken about um, uh, he designed the Ghibli Museum, and that's pretty sick. Like in terms of architecture, he's great. Do you know, like, he designed the Ghibli mm -hmm. Park. Um, do you know, like he's just obviously just not really an animation guy, and that's okay. Someone you kind of just want to tell him it's like it's okay. You don't have to be an animator because your dad is. You know, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, be it just being like. He's like, I need to get this animation right. And it's like, but you don't have to, you know, like you don't, and it's like, but you don't know who my dad is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you can actually, watching Tales from Earthsea, you can kind of read it as a father issues allegory. So, you know what, like watching it with that kind of like framing, maybe makes it better. You're like, whoa, <laughs> there's a lot going on here. Yeah, maybe it was meant to be like a more straight up thing, but then he made it like this in protest so you've got to read it as a protest piece i don't know i'm always interested in protest pieces in art yeah it's it's always really interesting i would love i like i said you can kind of almost read it that way like there's so much bits in the plot that's one thing you would give tales of mercy is that like uh, do you know you could definitely read into it a lot if you wanted and i'd say someone has there's like so like i say there's definitely a massive three hour long video essay someone like they've seen it like piece by piece um, 
because yeah like like i said the behind the scenes stuff like that was while miyazaki was making ponyo and like that documentary is so enlightening like you're like you've got miyazaki in the corner making this most beautiful charming little mermaid adaptation um of you know like this little tiny girl who's you know a fish and it's really cute and sweet <laughs> and then at the same time while he's drawing these lovely little characters he's like practically at the level of like throwing shit at goro do you know <laughs> it's like in the documentaries it's like if you dare scribbling away Panyo, and then he's like that film's terrible <laughs> oh no yeah. yeah um yeah just to that i think it's an interesting thing to cherish if you if you grow up with a piece of media or if you consume it when you're younger and i know this isn't from what you said the case but like when between when you first started watching ghibli films and now you know like it's been a while and especially like with um with tales from earthsea uh you know like it's interesting to see how taste changes and whether your opinion on something has changed good or bad between that's why i'm always like when i reread books that i read as a kid um you know i'm like or or watch films i'm like did i like this as a kid because i was an idiot or was it good (laughs) um (laughs) but i think it's an interesting point you know like bounding off of what you said about how the first scene you know is someone committing a murder you know, and it mm. would have been interesting to see Ghibli grow, but it mm. seems that Ghibli is kind of like it has its niche and it's happy to stay there, which, like, that's not a bad thing. Well, I suppose. Do you know what the one thing I will say? Because, like I said, I've I've actually every now and then on Twitter I'll like go on a rant about this, which is that I think some people think that Ghibli has a niche, but it's it's not really the like you know, for example, like Miyazaki's last film was a uh, like The Wind Rises, which was a biographical. Um, film on um i cannot remember his name but he was a japanese plane designer and it's basically again with the planes uh yeah he's obsessed with planes and this film basically goes into like the guilt of feeling like you've basically created a war machine and like stuff like that like because this particular plane designer like um designed aircraft that was ultimately obviously a lot of the wars you know and like i suppose the guilt of the creator in that aspect like it kind of goes into heavy topics it also deals with like things like tuberculosis um that massive earthquake that happened in the early 20th century in japan which i cannot remember but like that like tore through the country you know like it deals with very heavy stuff and like that's just miyazaki and like then going off from that like takahata has always explored like much more complex stuff like even like um well, trying to, well, I suppose Grave of the Fireflies being in particular, like, is a very mature film. Like, that's not something you're throwing on for, like, the five-year-olds, you know, like, is in that's something you're only watching when you're, like, well, like, you know, you're older, you're an adult. And then, like, even, hmm. like, a lot of the, uh, the side, not even side projects, they're all Ghibli works. Like, the, like, stuff like Ocean Waves and Only Yesterday are, like, incredibly films that um, they're like slice of life, dealing more so with like both of them kind of with a lot of strong teams of like growing up and like lost love or like regaining new love. Do you know, like it really kind of like even like Ocean Waves in particular was made with a older like youth audience in mind. Like they were trying to kind of tap into that market rather than um, a child, a children's market, do you know. So I find that quite interesting. Like it's that kind of like 
I think people see Ghibli and they see like the cuteness, you know, they see like Totoro or, um, you know, they see Totoro or they see um, like the Halsey Castle flower fields and they think it's all very cottagecore, cute, fantasy when they actually do like a lot of really interesting concepts like Miyazaki obviously in particular has done like a lot of concepts but and I've always been in a fantasy realm but realm, realm but like you know like say a lot of his stuff some of like Nausicaa is just pure like high fantasy you know like it's in like you know much more so than say obviously like um Spirited Away would be you know or, um mm. and then obviously like they're more adult films you know there's a really wide range so I think so I I think sometimes people can see it they think that Ghibli has a niche, but they're actually surprisingly um, varied in like some of the work that they've done. Do you know? Mm. Sorry, I just went on a complete rant there. <laughs> no, no, that's good. That's what we want. Okay, that was, um... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, that's not a point, really. It's like, it's, you know, because, um, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting now to see Miyazaki's new film whenever that comes out, because he did say he's returning to fantasy. Um... But I'd be intrigued to know kind of, I suppose, what level of fantasy that is. Do you know, like, um, do you know, I suppose, like, you know, like how approachable it is for various different audiences? Because mm. a lot of his work hasn't been maybe, like a lot of it is, has been made primarily for young audiences in mind. But, uh, do you know, like I said, his last film wasn't, do you know, like that, like that really was just a film for adults, really, do you know, in terms of its topics and themes. So I'd like to know kind of what he's going, where he's going with this, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, on the planes thing always being there, there was something I had I had wondered where it's like you watch these films and there's these great massive, you know, like steampunk, nearly like living creatures of planes because they don't follow the normal rules of planes. I don't know <laughs> what the normal rules of planes are, <laughs> um, but these sure as hell don't follow them. But you've kind of explained that in the that um miyazaki is kind of obsessed with planes um so maybe we could get him on the show to talk about planes but the other (laughs) (laughs) the other thing that like when i when when i watched ghibli it's like what is the deal with people turning into birds there's what (laughs) it seems what's happening with that yeah (laughs) it seems to happen so many times or there's characters who can turn into birds. Like I'm thinking specifically of like Howl, and uh, it's not, it's not really like a bird, but the Witch of the Waste in Howl's Moving Castle as well. Like when she curses Sophie at the start when she goes through her, it's very bird-like the way she moves mm-hmm. and dresses. And then as well the, oh, what's the name of the old lady? Yubaba. Spirited Away. Yeah, Yubaba in uh, Spirited Away. You know, does he like birds? What's the, I don't know. I asked my friend, Lynn. I was like, again, with the people turning into birds. And they were like, it's a metaphor, but just not <laughs> for what you think it is. I was like, mm. what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've never really come across much about the bird stuff. I think now you're making me want to, I've got like the Spirited Away and Howl's Between Castle art books. Um... And now I need to like go back and I like, read them to see like does he mention this at all in like say characters? I'm trying to think about other birdly characters in his films in particular, um, and I can't think of any. Like maybe he was going through a bird phase, um, yeah. or maybe I'm like forgetting something very vital. 
because um, yeah, I mean, he's very like he's a huge environmentalist as well. So there's like a lot of like teams of like you know based around like say environmental destruction and like nature and stuff in his work, which is just really interesting. So maybe that's where some of the birds and like the more kind of natural forms kind of come, you know, and stuff. I mm. suppose in Talisman Castle as well, in particular, the kind of and maybe this is the same thing for Yubaba as well as like the birds kind of are like that kind of otherworldly being or like you know becoming detached I suppose from your human self you know in House of Castle in particular that like the witch the waste has basically given up a lot of humanity you know and then Howl the whole point is the more like the more he transforms into a bird like that's detrimental to him like he could end up stuck as a bird you know or build a beast mm. you know um so maybe like there's i'm sure there's probably something on it you know that maybe he's spoken about i just kind of missed <laughs> i don't know too maybe he likes birds because they fly maybe that's it maybe it's as simple as that yeah he, he's like think you know like oh i can't i can't put another plane in here i can't have a human turn into a plane or can i <laughs> maybe that's what his new film is going to be about but like honestly would not be surprised what's closely related to a plane a bird there we go yeah definitely um it's funny how much he loves planes they're literally every one of the keel is aircraft somehow do you know even like yeah. kiki's delivery service with the um it's not a blip but whatever what are those kind of big massive air heated hot air like not hot air what was i say like a zeppelin i think so yeah uh, but like even that's like incorporated into kiki's delivery service you know, her friend is like obsessed with planes. You know, it's just so funny. It's like every single I think Ghibli, it's serious in a way. I think it's like the only thing I can think of that doesn't have a plane. Which? We need, we need more plane. Yeah, more plane. I think that that's what, like, it was fitting in a way that the wind um, was supposed to be his retirement film until he came out of retirement again. But it was <laughs> because, like, that film is really like, it's planes like there's just so much dream sequences in it just involving planes like it's like really like um he really just like went on this is what i'm doing <laughs> yeah i love it that would, it seemed like a like a fitting send-off you know if it were his last <laughs> film were, were all about planes you know yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe when he eventually does retire for good that he'll uh he'll make another plane film Maybe he'll adapt Disney's planes. <laughs> That'd be very, um, I would kill to see that in Ghibli form. <laughs> yeah, because like Disney's play, Disney Pixar's planes is not a bad film. I really like it. <laughs> I have not seen it. I think it's, I think it's worth the watch just because, like, I, I, I think the characters in it are sound enough for what it is, which is just like. Mm. This weird spin-off of the Cars franchise. We will do a bonus episode where we talk about Cars and Planes. <laughs> mm. I feel like that's a good place to wrap it up, unless you've anything else, Amy? Um, no, nothing really. Um, yeah, thanks for letting me talk about uh, Jubilee for this length of time. <laughs> um, yeah. No problem. I, uh, no problem. <laughs> I have so many thoughts on it, so yeah, I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> sorry for all the tangents. No, that's, that's good. That's what we That's what we want. Um, very tangent-friendly podcast. Very, yes, very tangent-friendly. Tangent uh, Amy, where can we find you? Is there anything you want to plug? 
Um, yeah, I suppose uh, I will, you know, uh, my work, I suppose. Um, so I'm an illustrator, so you can at Amy Louie O C, so A M Y L O U I O C. Uh, that's my username on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, I post um, a lot of stuff, a lot of art, a lot of anime inspired art and Ghibli inspired art, but it's like with an Irish feel so like irish mythology stuff so <laughs> that's their kind of stick uh yeah feel free to follow me uh i yeah i post often <laughs> when i'm not ranting about ghibli i also <laughs> rant about ghibli a lot so if you yeah, liked so, that you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> anymore where that came from yeah exactly thanks so much for having me on no problem uh nigel where can we find you um, you can find me mainly on twitter at spicy nigel where most recently i've tweeted about uh a comment on my the latest draft of my thesis that just because I think or I sent it and uh, I didn't finish a sentence so it's just left in the middle of the sentence uh, and the comment from my supervisor reads did you get murdered at this point <laughs> uh, you can find me on twitter alika underscore ali spelled like alleyway cat spelled with a k and you can find me on Instagram at Ali, A-L-L-Y underscore K underscore Keegan. You can find the podcast at HyperFixationsP on Twitter. Or at HyperFixationsPod on Instagram. Rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, be it at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at the bottom of a Pringles tube. You just got to reach down in there. Um, <laughs> if you would like to come onto the show to discuss one of your hyperfixations, please feel free to reach out at any of the aforementioned social media. If you like the show, uh, tell a friend. If you didn't, Nobody likes a fucking narc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that is all for this week. Amy, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you. Thanks again. Thanks so much for chatting to me. No problem. No problem. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Signing off. <laughs>